Well, you know, uh, the last time I ministered, uh, we, I was finishing up some of pastor's uh, conversations with God concerning prayer. And the last time I ministered, I ministered on, uh, there were several hindrances to prayer. We talked about prayer. Uh, he talked about prayer. He taught, we, I taught about different types of prayer. Uh, then I began to talk to you about some hindrances to people's prayer life. And why did I do that? Because there are so many people that are so disappointed in things that they think they've prayed, but that God didn't answer them. Because the reason I know this is that, you know, when it comes time for prayer meetings, we have maybe five to ten people show up. But let me ask this question. If, of course, we have more than five to ten people, but uh, normal churches, you know, just have a handful show up for prayer services. But let me ask you this question. If you really believed that every time you made a request of God and it was answered, why would you not be in times of prayer? Just a question to think about, ponder about, amen. And so, uh, you know, I just, I was, you know, there were several things that was in my heart that God, you know, constantly gives me about when I get the next opportunity to minister. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, stay in your lane. So we're just going to continue to talk about prayer. Because that's my lane. Amen. Uh, some people just have a gift of teaching faith. Some people have a, a great gift and I can teach many other subjects. But I love prayer and I love talking about the love of God. And I've taught it for years. And so, not just teach it, but I do it. Actually, a matter of fact, uh, you know, this morning I wake up to hear, uh, you know, that there was some attacks on me, but you know what I did? I just went before the throne of God and I just said, Lord, I pray that you would deliver this person from these wicked demonic spirits that are causing them to slander your chosen people. And I pray a blessing upon them. I want them delivered and healed and whole. I mean, I cried my heart out for them to God. This isn't my first rodeo. No, but it always comes about when you're actually purposeful about advancing his kingdom and taking people to another place in him. Amen. And so anyway, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, getting ready to minister and that's good to wake up to, isn't it, in the morning. Wake up and hear that someone sent slanderous text to congregation members concerning your pastors. That's wonderful news. Did you know what I did? I said, ha, 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 devil, you're a liar. And I believe I'm going to see what we are praying for. The devil always screams the loudest when he knows he's losing, losing ground. Hallelujah. 
And so anyway, uh, you know, like I said, there was some things that was in my heart that I was thinking that I, but I just heard the Holy Ghost said, stay in your lane. So last time we talked about hindrances to prayer. And tonight I want to talk about how to receive your prayers, how to receive answered prayers, how to receive answered prayers. You know, our motto around here is that we are not just a church that prays, but we are a church that gets answered prayers. Plenty of churches around this world praying, but why are we not seeing more uh, taking place and more prayers being answered? Because obviously there's people that are praying amiss, which James talks about, the book of James, right? That you can pray amiss. You can pray with wrong motives. We talked about that last time that we can, uh, you know, there's hindrances to people's prayer life and there's answers for why people that think they've prayed that there's things that they've not seen or things that hasn't happened. And it's not a God problem. It's not a God problem. This is not God's problem. This is a man's problem of ignorance on who God is and how God operates, okay? And so to receive answered prayers, there's some key texts that I want you to write down, put in your notes, because I believe that it's time that the church awakens to prayer and to be on their face before the Lord concerning our nation, concerning our families, concerning the epidemic that we're seeing with uh, uh, drug addictions, all kinds of things happening uh, in our nation. And I'm going to tell you, the only way we're going to see results and changes in people's lives is if the church begins to pray. It's the church's responsibility. Amen. And so we need to rise up and begin to take uh, our relationship with the Lord seriously and begin to actually take time to commune with him and spend with him and fellowship with him so that he can begin to drop things in your spirit concerning people and concerning situations for you to pray out. Amen. And so let's look at our first scripture, our first key text. It's John 15, 7. These are, I have three key texts, and these are pivotal scriptures for you concerning prayer. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. This scripture alone just lets you know that if you continue to be a person that abides in the word of God and abides in him, then you then would know what you need to ask of him. And he said that he would give it to you. Amen. Isn't that good to know that God wants to answer your prayers? And that God has promises. God has things that he wants uh, to give to you. He said it shall be done. It shall be done. It shall be done for you. Amen. Now look at John 14, verse 13, uh, 13 and 14. 
John 14, 13 and 14. It says this, you can ask for anything in my name and I maybe will do it. Sometimes we'll do it. No, he will do it. He will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Verse 14, ask me for anything. Here's the key point to answered prayer in my name. In the name of Jesus. Jesus is the one that has given us authorization to use his name. And when we stand in our authority, in the name of Jesus that he's given to us, he's already just saying, this is like a free, uh, you know, I don't want to use it this way, but you have a credit card that's unlimited. And it's not about money. You understand what I'm saying? So it's as if whatever you want, when you have an unlimited credit card, you don't think about what, how much it is or what you, you just go and you get whatever you want. I mean, I've never had an unlimited credit card, so I don't know what that's about, right? So, I mean, whatever you want. There's free access, and he's letting us know, listen, uh, th there is free access from the things of God, the promises of God for your life, and all you have to do is ask in his name. In his name. All right? Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you what, ask, when you pray. Believe that you have received them. Isn't that what we sang tonight? We believe every single word, right? And this is what he's saying. Listen, that when we've prayed, we believe that we receive them then, right then when we pray, not when we see it, because then we would be living by sight. We live by faith. That means we don't see what it is that we're praying for, but when we see the manifestation, there it is, right? So we don't live by sight, we live by faith. And we have to believe that we've received it when we prayed, and he says this, and you will have them. You might have them. Maybe one day might have them. No, it's forever settled. When you prayed, you have it. If you believed, if you truly were in a position of faith, amen. And we talked about, even though uh, last time, that even though you may have started in a position of faith, some people aren't seeing the fullness or the manifestation of what we've prayed for, what they've prayed for, because they draw back from their faith. And we talked about was because of doubting, Right. They begin to allow the enemy to come in and put all these doubts in their mind that God really didn't mean it or we really can't have it or whatever the case may be. And so then people draw back from their faith. And so then they don't see it. So we talked about several hindrances, right? But today we're going to talk about how to receive answered prayers. And this is not a formula. This is just some principles concerning prayer.
There's no one formula to prayer. I have found after 30 years of being, uh, you know, a, a believer every single day of my life and, and uh, fully sold out to God and serving him, uh, that God, uh, you know, there are different things that he'll have you and different ways that he will have for you to pray concerning different things. But there are some basic principles that teach you and, and, and can keep you in alignment with scripture concerning things that you're praying for. And so many times people are out of alignment concerning scripture and so they're not seeing things take place in their prayer life. Amen. They're out of alignment. All right? With scripture and what he says and the postures that we have to be in when it comes to prayer. So the first thing, the first point that we have to see here if we're going to see answered prayers is that we have to know God's, what God's promise is about your situation. Number one, you have to know what God's promise is concerning your situation. What am I saying? You have to know the word. And remember the first scripture we read, if you abide in his word, then you'll ask whatever it is. Well, you cannot just go haphazardly asking God for something that you don't even know is his word concerning or his promise concerning your situation. You understand what I'm saying? So your foundation for any prayer has to start with the foundation of the word, the foundation of his promise. Whatever that is, if we see in Scripture, we were reading in Scripture, in uh, the New Testament, how Jesus uh, went about healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, right? And then he, we see through Scripture where he says that by his stripes that we were healed, and that it's God's desire that we would be healed and walk in healing. We're reading those promises in the scripture. So now we have a, a foundation of the word of God to stand on when it comes to receiving healing for our body. But if we don't know that God wants to heal and we don't know that it was his will to heal us, how many people have died not knowing that God could have healed them? because of lack of the word, because of ignorance. My people perish due to, all right? And so it's imperative that when we uh, stand in a position to ask of God, we know what we're asking for. And it comes only from the word of God. First John 5, 14 through 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. There should be confidence when you come before the throne. Remember Hebrews? That there, uh, when we come before the throne of grace, we can have confidence when we come before him that we would be able to receive uh, mercy and grace in our time of need. When you come to a place before God, we have to come boldly before the throne. We have to come with confidence. How can we have confidence? Uh, how can we have boldness? Because we know what his word says concerning it. 
We know what his word says. So I can stand firm on his word, knowing that I'm getting ready to come boldly with confidence. Why is confident, uh, confidence so important? Because faith is a confident expectation. So when we come with confidence, we're coming in a place that we're firmly persuaded. We have a confident expectation that we're going to see what we're praying for. So there's positions that we come to him in prayer. And so here we see that this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, this is another key. It has to be according to his will. What is his will? His word is his will. His word is his will. This is why you must know the word that you're standing on before you come to him. You, can, you know his word. You'll have confidence. Come on, you'll be fully expecting. Uh, and listen, then nothing is going to be able to stop you or get you off of what it is you know you believed God for. Right? It says it has to be according to his will. He hears us. So, uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, I'm just believing God that he's going to give me so-and-so's husband. He's a good husband and he just needs to divorce that wife and so that I could have him for a husband. People are cray, you know. But people really pray that way. Well, how do I know that that is an unscriptural prayer? Because I've been in the word, abiding in the word, spending time in the word, reading the word and understanding what his will is. And his will is not that. So you have no leg to stand on, right, with God. Okay? Y'all, I've heard plenty. I'm, I'm going to write a book one day of plenty of crazy things that I've heard people say. Bless their darling hearts, and Brother Hagen used to say, and their stupid heads. <laughs> it's our stupid heads that get in the way. <laughs> oh, I cracked myself up. <laughs> Anyway, verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, and we talked about this, that sometimes people don't know that God hears them. They're just praying out there in the abyss, so to speak, out in Never Never Land, uh, believing that somewhere God's going to hear them. He's going to grab a hold of their prayer and heal them, hear them. No, you have to know that God hears the prayers of the righteous. Hallelujah. You have to know that. How do I know that? Because I read it in the scripture. Scripture said it. Amen. Hallelujah. But so many believers are so deficient of the word of God. It's sad. You know me. I'm going to always go back to the very thing that we tell every child in our children's area. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Grow, grow, grow. And believers want to know why their lives are still in a mess because we will never be able to walk away from that foundation. 
that we have to read our Bible every day. We have to commune with the Lord every day. And as we do that, then we'll grow. We'll grow. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll grow and not go. Plenty of people are going away from the Lord today. Which we shouldn't be surprised because he said it in his scripture, didn't he? In the last days, many will apostatize. Many will fall away. Many will walk away from the faith. And we see that take place today. Amen. I just remind you of some things, right? Uh, to, to, to help make sure that we are staying in a place of faith, that we're not going to walk away or go away because we're going to stay and remain in the vine. We're going to remain in his word. We're going to read his word. We're going to pray. Amen. And then we're going to see people grow. Have you seen your life grow since you've been a part of this church? Amen. So he hears us when we pray. And whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Let's read it again. I know I break up because I just like to go line upon line. That's how I teach. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, right, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. How many of you know that you know that you know without a doubt that there are things that you have believed and prayed for and you're going to see them come to pass? That's how confident you have to be. Amen. James 1. James 1, 5 through 6. It says, if, if, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. Here it is. The first point that I would like to make about this scripture is, is that If you don't know what, Lord, what am I going to do? You know, we can read the word of God and there is an answer for everything in the word of God, but there are things that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you that will be in alignment with his word concerning your situation. He doesn't just say, now, Devin, I want you to go you know, in his scripture, he doesn't just say, now, Devin, it's time for you to get another job, does he? No, but that comes from learning his voice because you've been spending time with him in prayer. You've been spending time communing with him, reading his word. So what can Devin then begin to say? Okay, Lord, if you're wanting me to uh, transition another job, then you're going to, by your spirit, lead me. Because Romans says that what uh, those that are his children are led by the spirit of God. So these are things that he can begin speaking out of his out of the word of God and then also what what can he also begin to pray he can begin to say you know Lord you said in your word that if a man don't work a man won't eat so I thank you that through this transition as you're leading me I'm not going to go without uh, you know a job because you don't want me to be without and I want to work so if a man don't work a man won't eat I believe we need to have that same principle with a lot of things going on in our nation. Anyway, 
Y'all don't get me mama started now. All right, everybody, I'm going to be happy tonight. Full of joy. Hallelujah. So that is the thing. So what am I saying? If a man lacks wisdom, if you are lacking wisdom concerning your situation, whatever it is that's going on and you don't really clearly see it in his word and you're needing to gain more wisdom or direction about whatever it is that's going on in your life, whatever the circumstance is, then he tells us, listen, just ask me. Ask me for that wisdom. And guess what he's going to do? He's going to give it to you. Amen. He's going to give it to you. So he gives you wisdom. Why does he give you the wisdom here? It's because he wants you to ask in faith. So if he gives you the wisdom, then you can be in a position of faith. So, so many times people are going around, well, I really don't know what to do about this situation, Lord, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they never ask him for the wisdom about the situation and how to deal with it. And so if they just ask for the wisdom, then they'll have confidence to come back to him in prayer and say, okay, Lord, now you said this. You said this. So now I have something to stand on. See what I'm saying? Because we know he speaks through his word, his Logos word, the written word, but he also can speak a rhema word, which is what? Uh, alive. It's right then. It's a rhema word right for you by the Spirit of God. Right? And so once we have the word on the matter, once we have the word, the promise on the situation, then we can stand and not have to doubt. Amen. Because we need to be people that are in a position when we're coming to him that we're asking in faith, no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So we see people like that all the time. Well, I think God said that, and so I'm going to do it. Well, evidently he didn't say it because the door was closed. No, whether did he say it or not. Because God don't change his mind. He's not wishy-washy. He don't go back and forth. He, his word says that he never changes. So he don't change his uh, position of things that he's spoken to you. So you have to be in a place to know what he said when you go to prayer so that you are firmly persuaded that I heard the Lord say that. Now, sometimes people can miss it. And you just got to say, Lord, I repent. I missed it. I thought you were saying this, but I stepped out and did the stupid thing. Whatever. Right? Okay. But thank God that we have a forgiving God. Thank God that he has a, that uh, he is a redeeming God. And not only is he a redeeming God, that he can redeem our life from the pit. He can also redeem lost time where we made a stupid mistake. Amen. Just somebody needed to hear that. All right. He can redeem lost time. So Romans 10, Romans 10, 17. This is another key scripture to our prayer. It says, so then faith, why is another reason we need to know the word on our situation? Because so then faith comes by hearing and hearing from the 
word of God. Faith only comes from the word. So if you don't know the word on the matter, you're not going to have faith and be confident and expecting, right, it to happen when you pray. Because faith comes from the word. Faith arises in your heart from the word. And have you ever been reading the word of God and it just jumps out on you and you grab a hold of it and you're like, yes. That's faith arising from the word of God. And then you can be assured that you can stand on that word, whatever it was, because there is a rhema word, a logos word for you to stand on right there. All right? Uh, number two, we must ask for what is promised. You know, you would think that would be just self-explanatory. But so many people are so prideful, even believers, to even ask God for help. Yeah. They try to figure it out themselves. They get two and three jobs. Come on. They try to do work it out themselves. They try to figure out the problem instead of just going to God and asking of him. I need your help, Lord. I need you to, to show me about this situation. I need the answer for this situation. I need you to do what it is that you said in your word because, listen, he is the only one that I uh, answer to other than my husband. Right? So the bottom line is, is that when we ask of God, we're saying we're submitted to God. We're acknowledging that we need God in this situation. And so many people will wring their hands, work themselves to death, uh, you know, stress out, even believers, pull their hair out, do all kinds of things instead of just asking God, God, I need you in this situation. Give me the answer. Do what I need. You know, I need you to show me what I need to do. Instead of going to him last, we should be going to him first. But that's a submission problem and a pride problem. Okay. All right, we won't talk about that. Anyway, we're going to stay happy. So we have to ask of him what it is that he's promised. Because we can see it and read it in the word all day long, but he still expects us to ask our, of him. He is our father. We have to go ask of him. You know, there were certain things that our children had to ask of us. They're not just going to walk out in the driveway and take the keys to the car, even if, I mean, you know, and just decide they're going to take off and go off somewhere and drive the vehicle without permission. Right? Well, it's the same thing. If we're truly up underneath the submission and the authority of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, because that's what we said when we got born again, we made him Lord, we made him supreme in authority over our life, then that means he is the final say. He tells us where we need to go, what we need to do, when we need to do it, what we need to do, right? And we are to go to him and ask of the Father, all right, we have to ask him. Look at Matthew 6, 8. 
Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So he knows what you need before you ask of him, but you still have to ask him. Because you're saying he's my Abba Father. I need to ask him, is this okay for me to do? Is this what I need to do? Uh, one, uh, I was teaching like over 20 years, uh, maybe 18 years ago now, I don't know when it was, 15 maybe. 15 years ago at Word of Life Fellowship um, at their Bible school and I was teaching a class on confession and so we went through the class and we were talking about this scripture actually right here. And so it reminds me of it every time. And this one girl, you know, I was talking about our confession and how we have to ask of the father, the same thing I'm saying. And she's like, well, if he already knows what we need, why do we have to ask? I just don't believe we have to ask. If he already knows what we need, then why do we have to ask? And it was simply because that is you releasing him, releasing your, uh, uh, his authority to go into action on your behalf. Because if you don't ask him, he can't do it. Remember, we talk, God is not in control. What is he in control of? His word. He's in control of his word. And so therefore, we have to release his word and ask him uh, and release those things into uh, the spirit realm so that then he can grab hold of them and the Holy Spirit can get the job done, right? And so he says, listen, we still have to ask. Look at this scripture, Matthew 7. If we didn't have to ask, then why does he tell us to ask of him? Matthew 7, 7, 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks. Uh, what happens? He receives. Say, I receive every time I ask. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread? Here it is in a natural sense, just as we were saying as earthly fathers, earthly parents. What does it say? If his son asks for a bread, piece of bread, will you give him a stone? My son comes and sits at the table and says, Mom, I want a piece of bread, and I put a rock down on the table. Here it go. Chew on that a little while. <laughs> right? No. What's he say? He says, or if he asks for a fish, will I give him a snake, a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, normal parents, healthy parents know they're good and they're not going to give their kid a snake or a stone and they're not going to what? Give, not give them good gifts. Normal, healthy parents. I'm not talking about dysfunctional people here. I'm talking about normal, healthy people. Know how to give good gifts to your children. And the majority of most people want to see their children uh, blessed and have more than they ever had. Isn't that what most parents are working their bones to? So that their kids didn't have to walk through the snow with no shoes on? You know the old stories. <laughs> Boy, when I was young, I used to have to walk through the snow with no shoes, and I had one pair of jeans, and they had holes in them. 
You got a pair of jeans and you wear them every day to school. But most parents today are working, working, working to make sure they're providing, most normal parents, to provide good things for their children, right? I have to say that because we don't live in a society anymore that has normal people. (laughs) Just saying. I work with them every day. We're laughing and smiling tonight, aren't we? Yes. Yes, we are. Verse 11. So if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who what? Ask him. He wants to give good things to us. But we have to be in a place that we're going to ask of the Father. There's so many things that the Father has for his children that they have not learned how to ask of him. They've been taught that we don't owe God, that we shouldn't ask God for anything. Just thank you got into heaven and you have a little mansion there by and by, right? We're too unworthy to ask him for anything. We are a piece of dirt and don't deserve anything. People believe that, guys, still today. But yet his scripture is totally against that. No, he wants to give his children good things. Actually, he tells us that we have an inheritance that's right now waiting for us that he says we can have right now in this life. And how many people are not tapping in to that inheritance. Amen? So we have to ask of him the things that we want to receive in prayer. And then I made the statement uh, by the key text that we said our asking has to be in the name of Jesus because it's Jesus who gave us that access. He poured out his blood, right? He went to the mercy seat to give us access to the throne again so that we can come boldly before the throne of, of grace and step into the holies of holies with our Father. Hallelujah. And then John 16, 23, it says, and in that day, you'll ask me of nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will what? Give you. He'll hold from you. He don't want you to have anything. He might give it to you someday. No, it says he'll give it to you. We have to know that our God's a giver. He's a giver, and that's his heart. Our father is a giver, so much so that he gave his only son. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. Amen. Number three, you must believe that you've received when you pray. You must believe that you received when you pray. Received, you believe it when you see it, or do you believe it when you prayed? When we prayed. Not when we see it. That's doubting Thomas, isn't it? I won't believe it till I see the holes in his hands and the hole in his side. No. No, he tells us that when we believe, when we pray, that's the very moment that our faith has to be activated and we have to be in a posture of belief. 
right? And what did we say faith was? A firm persuasion, a confident expectation. When you break that down out of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is a confident expectation, a firm persuasion. We are in a posture of belief when we come to him in prayer. And it's best that you don't go to him in prayer concerning a situation if you're not fully persuaded. Because then the enemy will just come in and beat you up. He'll just beat you up. And he'll get you off. And you'll, you'll just abandon you'll abandon your position. All right? Why am I saying that? Because doubt is the opposite of faith. Doubt is the opposite of faith. And so we need to just go ahead and make sure we have the scripture on it and we have to meditate on that scripture until we know that we believe what that scripture says. Then when we know that we know that we know that we know what that scripture says, just like you know that you know that you know you're a child of God once you call on the name of the Lord. That's how firmly persuaded, just like you know that you know that when you die, you're going to see him face to face. You have to be that firmly persuaded when it comes to being in positions to go and ask of him concerning promises that you uh, see in his word that are for you. And so many people have misplaced faith. They have mental assent. Yeah, that's what the word said. So I believe I received. No, it's not in your heart. It's got to be right here. So nothing can knock you off. And I've talked about this before. Like that bulldog. You can't shake that bulldog off the rope once he grabs hold. You have to what? Beat him with a stick to get him off. So the devil would have to beat me with a stick to get me off my faith concerning this property. Amen. That's how firmly persuaded you have to be, right? When you go before him. This is, we're talking about getting answered to pr answered prayers, right? Say answered prayers. Not wishful thinking. Answered prayers. I'm getting you beyond wishful thinking. And we're getting to a place that we know that when we go into a place of prayer, we are going to be people of faith and we're going to know what his word says and we are surely going to see it come to pass. Amen. Don't just think you know. No, you need to know that you know what the word says. Amen. Now, uh, so we said we have to believe that we've received when we come in prayer. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, here it is again. Here is another scripture concerning asking. When you pray, so many, oh, I pray quiet prayers. You don't pray no quiet prayer. I have an unspoken prayer. You don't have an unspoken prayer. Unspoken is dead. Unspoken prayers is dead. 
There's nothing that's activating it. There's faith has to be released out of your heart. That's what activates it. And so it can't be unspoken. It has to be spoken and declared by faith if we're going to see it come to pass. I mean, there's songs on unspoken prayers. There's no such thing as unspoken prayers, people. I'm just saying. Come on, let's just get out of this false reality. Faith is the only thing that activates our prayers. Faith. Faith is what activates our prayers, and it has to be released. Uh, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, what? Without faith, here it is, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He is God. He is who he says he is. You know, if people are still doubting who God is, no wonder their prayers aren't getting answered. If you doubt that God's a good God and that he wants to give good gifts, then you're not going to get your prayers answered. So we must believe that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do. And what does he say? And that he is a rewarder. When you get a reward, that means you're getting something tangible that he has, that we are seeing that he has done. Amen. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to seek him. Amen. Now, so we have, we must believe when we come, we must believe that we've received the moment we prayed. Number four, we have to refuse to doubt. Refuse to doubt. Doubt is, as I said, the opposite of faith. So anytime you start doubting that whatever you prayed is going to come to pass or whatever is going to happen, then what, it, what happens? The enemy immediately, he comes in and he just begins to make you question everything about God. He begins to put all these thoughts in your mind to make you doubt because what's he trying to do? Get you off of what you prayed because he knows the devil knows that if you pray and believe God, that he's going to answer your prayer. The devil knows that. But so many even believers don't even know that. That God's going to answer my prayer. Right? All right. Refuse to doubt. Now, let's look at James 1, 6, and 7. James 1, 6, and 7. How must we come? We must come asking in faith without what? Doubting. Without doubting. With no doubting. One translation says without doubting. With no doubting. For he who doubts, what's the doubter like? A wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. What does verse 7 say? For let not that man. So many people are deceived. The, God just don't, is not a genie in a bottle just throwing out all these unspoken prayers and doing all these things without proper principles and laws of his word. 
And so people are so discouraged when it comes to prayer that they abandon prayer. And that's exactly what the devil has wanted and why we are in the mess that we're in in our nation. All right, because people quit praying. Anyway, so he says what? For let that man not suppose that he'll what? Receive anything from God. Receive anything from God. So have you seen that person one day? Yeah, I believe God. And the next day, well, I don't know if God is. Well, yeah, I believe God. And then the next week, well, I don't know. I don't, that is a double-minded man, the scripture says. Unstable in all of his ways. And he should receive nothing from the Lord because you're double-minded. Well, what does this tell us? That you haven't been firmly persuaded. So most people, because they're double-minded, they quit on God instead of recognizing that they weren't firmly persuaded and if they would have just done the first principle first before they even asked him, right, that they would have been firmly persuaded by the word of God before they asked him. And then we would have not seen a lot of uh, doubting and double-mindedness going on in people's lives. All right? So there's plenty of answers to why people's prayers aren't answered. You know, have you heard these people before? Raise your hand if you've heard somebody say, well, I, I asked God and he didn't do it. Or I prayed and it didn't happen. Well, there's answers to why through scripture that we can help people, all right? So that we can help people. Now, we see Mark eleven twenty three. Remember, we read Mark eleven twenty four right before Mark eleven twenty four is 23. It says, for, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not what? Doubt. Doubt is the opposite of faith. Doubt will kill your faith. Doubt in your heart, but believes, say believes, that those things he says will be done. And he will have whatever he says. So doubt is a huge, huge problem when it comes to prayer. Now let's look at James again. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Therefore, submit to God. What's he say? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sin. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is here where we can see, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why did I put this in here? Because if you will begin to resist the devil when those doubts come, and he gives you the answer, and then draw near to God. Don't draw back. Don't allow the enemy, the devil, to continue to just throw those flaming missiles, those uh, thoughts to your mind, and you not take every thought captive and line it up with the Word of God. So when the doubts start coming, because that's the enemy's job, is to get you to doubt that you are going to receive what it is you've asked of God. When he starts coming with all of these thoughts 
that makes you want to doubt and question if God's going to do it for you, then what do you do? You are to resist him. You resist him. Don't come to somebody and say, please pray for me that the enemy will quit with these thoughts in my mind. You are the only one that can deal with the thoughts in your mind. And he tells us in 2 Corinthians uh, what we need to do with it. What do we do when those thoughts come? We are to take every thought captive. And then we're to line it up. What are we lining it up with? The word that he gave us when we went into prayer to stand on. So when the enemy comes in and begins to tell you, you're not going to get this mall in all these situations, you see pennies is out of here. You know, how are you going to do it now? I mean, you were counting on them for part of the rent. They're gone. You know, you're never, you know, people are saying there's tons of buyers that are coming through. What do you do when all these thoughts start coming from the enemy to get you off? You take them captive. You line it up to the word of God. No devil, you're a liar. Thus saith the Lord, you said for us to occupy this property and that you have given us the land come on and that's what we begin to stand on and that's what we begin to say instead of refusing refuse to doubt and 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 refuse you have to resist the devil you have to resist him resisting all right and then what does he say then draw near to god so you draw back near to God and say, God, you know, I believe you. I, I, I know what your promise is. I know what your word said concerning this. You know, you begin to draw back into his presence so that you will then not get double-minded. Because thoughts can come. That don't mean you're double-minded. Doubts can come. That doesn't mean you're double-minded if you're taking them captive. If you're not taking them captive, then you will be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and you'll get seasick. You'll get sick, and you'll begin to throw up. What are you throwing up? All the things that the enemy has got you to believe in. Well, I guess we aren't going to have it, devil. You know, I guess he didn't. You know, God, you're right. I guess God, have you ever heard people say that? You start saying what the devil was saying to you. Now, you know I'm preaching the truth right now. And somebody ought to say amen. <laughs> so we're going to get beyond this double-mindedness. Come on. And we're going to get into people of faith. That the devil cannot beat us off with a stick. Come on. This is where we're trying to raise our faith level up. Number five, finish him with this. Maybe we can get in number six if I just don't give you any examples. Meditate on his promises. This is the thing that we need to do. Also, when the enemy comes in, you begin to start uh, thinking, uh, you know, uh, hearing all these doubts. Maybe they're starting to get a little overwhelming. You're resisting him. You're taking these thoughts captives. So what do you need to do now? Now you need to go back to the promise. 
and you need to meditate on all the scriptures concerning his promise and what he said to you. This is why you had it to stand on. Because when you've done all to stand, you're still standing on that promise. And you're going to go back in and you're going to meditate on it. Let's look at these scriptures. Uh, Philippians uh, 4.8. Remember one of our key scriptures that said, if you abide in my word. So meditating on the promises about, is about abiding in his word. What does abide mean? You're living there, honey. You're dwelling in his word. I mean, you're not letting it depart from your eyes, depart from your ears. You're listening to it, uh, the scriptures. You're meditating on it. You're chewing on the word of God, right? You, when you are getting in this place, you got to go back and meditate on the promise of God. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. And I'm going to tell you right now, the only thing pure right now in this world is his word. It's the only thing pure in the world right now is his word. And I'm telling you more and more as the day draw nears, we better be abiding in that word day and night. We better be chewing on it. We better be meditating on it because I'm telling you what, there is all kinds of things trying to bombard and get you off so that you'll be one of those that in the last day pull away and apostatize from the faith. Even more so today, we cannot grow weary. We cannot get lazy. We cannot stupor and slumber. We have to dig our uh, line in the sand and say, no, no, no. I will not go. No, I'm going to draw even more near. I'm going to go and meditate in his promise even more because it's the only thing that's pure. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, there ain't not one good report in this world when you turn on the news. The only good report is the report of the Lord. Amen. The report.